With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Clap your hands and you swing out wide. Stomp your feet. Hawkeye Nation, I don't know if it gets any better uh, beating Nebraska the sixth time or, you know, the the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, it, it never gets old. Clapping my hands to the beat of that drum. I've enjoyed it. I hope you guys have too. I hope you had a very happy Thanksgiving. Uh, I know I did. I enjoyed it. A lot of football, a lot of fun, a lot of Iowa victories, which is what we needed. A uh, little, little wholesome there. Uh, can't believe that the game was as close as it was, but, well, it wouldn't be an Iowa game if it wasn't, right? I'm okay with that. The victory was on the right side of the scoreboard and got a lot to talk about. Um, looks like Iowa is going to be probably one of the only teams to play a full round of eight games this year, which is kind of crazy. When you think at the beginning of the season, it was shortened anyways, but that Iowa would be the only one to not be um, in the category of COVID is pretty special. I think that uh, them being able to maneuver all that and get all the guys to do the right things and to uh, be prepared uh, is really telling of what this organization uh, is about, the structure of it. I know the off-the-field issues earlier this year, but uh, I'm telling you, within that locker room, there's a lot going on that we don't see, and there's a lot of togetherness, and I love to see that. Um, Who would have thunk it? You know, five points separates us from an undefeated season. Kind of hard to think about that sometimes. Um, You know, if we would have had a couple back, we would have been able to uh, maybe uh, turn this into an undefeated season, really have control of our own destiny, uh, given that COVID has kind of taken other teams' destiny off the table. Um, Looks like uh, Wisconsin is pretty much out of that race due to uh, Minnesota having canceled their matchup. And uh, it looks like Northwestern is, you know, firmly going to get that bid for the Big Ten West champion. Unfortunate for us, uh, we'll most likely have more wins, but the column that matters is the loss column this year, which is odd. But that's the uh, the column that m- matters the most. Uh, we did enter the top 25, which I thought was interesting. We got to number 24. I'm all for it. I, I don't know how we, we managed to uh, climb up there, but we do have a lot of good stats both on the offensive and defensive side. We got a lot to talk about as far as the offensive uh, uh, passing goes, but uh, all other aspects of what Iowa is doing right now is really, really good. We're doing a lot of good things. 
So there's a lot to look forward to. We have two games left. Uh, we got Illinois, and then we've got Wisconsin. And then it looks like potentially um, now that Michigan has maybe COVID, we haven't really had any um, uh, confirmation that they have a COVID problem, but they're saying they, they do or may. If that's the case, and they kind of initiated this two weeks before the big game, the game, that would leave Ohio State potentially out of the championship as well. Who, who would have thunk that at the beginning of the season that Ohio State, number what, number four, number five, depending on what poll and, and what you're looking at as far as the college football uh, playoff rankings, would be left out of a Big Ten championship game. Now, if they're left out of a Big Ten championship game, does the committee still take them um, just based on the fact that they're Ohio State and they don't have any losses? Maybe. I mean, they are really, really good. They didn't look so good against Indiana, but they're still winning. And winning matters. Back in 2015, we were undefeated. You know, winning does matter. You control your own fate. Even if you're not playing the heaviest of schedules, you know, not having any in the loss column goes a long way. I think they'll still make it. I don't know how that's going to play out. I don't know what the Big Ten's going to do, but I think they'll still make it. I don't know if they're going to make the Big Ten championship game. I really don't know how that's going to all roll out. But there's potential there. So I guess we'll see. Um, yeah, I guess we'll... <laughs> all right, I started the intro with the clapping because, well, let's, we'll just knock that out of the way here. Um, it, you know, it's really telling. I, I saw the, um, the the two interviews of both coaches uh, after the uh, the game, and you've got a guy who is uh, the head of a Big Ten program in Nebraska that wants to return it to former glory that just hasn't had any success. And actually, their last, like, four or five coaches, it goes from, you know, better, not so good, to good, to just, you know, terrible. And that's the kind of progression that they've had from their coaches after Osborne. And they're not all bad coaches. I mean, Solich, Frank Solich was actually not so bad. Bo Pelini was, was pretty good. Um, but they were aspiring to higher levels of success. Me, I, hell, I, don't, I know most of you would, would die for a 10-win season every year. I would. I am very fine with a 10-win season. Obviously, I want to continue to go higher and higher, and we don't want to just rest on a given number. But I'm telling you right now, if I could get 10 wins every single year or you know, at least pretty consistently, I, I would take it in a heartbeat. That's, that's a good season. That's a great season. I mean, that's, that's always in the conversation. And that's kind of where we're trending, hopefully, and I think that Kirk's done a good job in getting the recruits. I think the recruiting is really what's made Iowa um, start to turn that corner. Hopefully we can keep that trend going. Really, it's just getting this quarterback play um, to uh, kind of flesh out and hopefully develop. You would think it would have happened by now. Unfortunately, it just hasn't. Um, but we'll get into that. The clapping thing. So apparently... The and I didn't really even see any of this. I, I knew that uh, um, Frost was obviously frosted on the sideline, upset, uh, really getting into the refs. I uh, heard him drop an f bomb on live television. Um, it was it was ridiculous. Apparently, it all stems from clapping on the sidelines. Clapping. I mean, Kirk Kirk was blown away. Couldn't believe that 
this was 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 even being talked about in his 20 you know 21 years being 22 years uh, of being there that we would be talking about clapping on the sidelines especially I mean if it was in the game he said yeah obviously I understand if there's guys in the line trying to uh, throw off the cadence or the rhythm or whatever that's one thing he told him to knock it off but this is what you're what you're upset about Frost is a kind of guy who has never taken responsibility for any of his own stuff you know as a coach even when you may not be wrong you're wrong you know, your, your team isn't executing. Well, whose fault is that? That's your fault. It all kind of falls on you, whether it's deservingly so or not. You're the coach. Uh, I don't recall ever, ever hearing any of this from our coach. And he's been there for, for 21, you know, going on 22 years. This is, this is a guy who has the respect of the Big Ten and a guy that has kind of had it this year with everything that's been thrown at him. I, I'm kind of liking this this more you know, casual, but very frank, Kirk Ferentz. It's kind of refreshing in a way because you always knew that he has, he's got to have some fire somewhere, but you're always trying to like stoke that and and really get into him because you want to see some emotion out of Kirk. He's a pretty calm, cool, collected guy. And in life, that's probably the best way to be. But, you know, there's times where we we want our old ball coach to kind of get after it. And I think this is the year that he has. I mean, you have Minnesota, (laughs) <laughs> with the timeout situation that got to him. Um, you have uh, this clapping business. He's a no-nonsense kind of guy, and that was nonsense. It was just, it was, it was just what are you talking about, man? It reminds me of, of uh, Allen Iverson when uh, he was called out for missing a practice, a guy who was uh, <laughs> you know, a leader in the NBA scoring practice? We're talking about practice? You know, it's exactly the same thing. What are we talking about? So that was the dust-up with the whole clapping thing. I, I thought, hell, I, I, I felt that it was more comical than anything else. And I, I think that he was annoyed, but also was like, you know, this is just preposterous. I think he, he was uh, kind of almost to the point where he was laughing at it too. Um, yeah. So those are the differences between those two men. And it's interesting that Frost is actually the same age as Kirk when he came into the league, but you couldn't have two guys who are different at handling situations. And that's something that Frost could learn from Kirk and and hopefully uh, being able to develop his program. It's good for the entire league for Nebraska to be good, but they're just not. They haven't been good in a while. Really, the last time that they were good was under Bo Pelini as far as I'm concerned and you know Bo did some stuff that uh, got him thrown out and understandably so but uh, tell you what it was a lot more fun under him now it's no that could be argued I guess it's a lot more fun winning and you know let him let him stay in the state of decay uh, as far as I'm concerned across the border but for the Big Ten in general it it would be better for them to be a much better program we'll see they've got some recruits uh, coming in next year and um, you know who knows how this season goes. Maybe he gets a mulligan. He's not going anywhere. They're not going to fire him uh, during this year, but he, he's definitely on notice for next year, I would imagine. So, I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. 
All right, so moving along. So we, I did say that we would talk about the passing. Okay, so, you know, I've tried to kind of avoid it, not talk about it specifically, even though it's, it's, it's notable. It's not to, uh, you know, highly criticize the person, but it has to be noted that, you know, Iowa doesn't have a passing game. If you were going to be successful overall in this league, you have to pass. And our running game is what sets that up. We have a superb running game, and we're not able to use it effectively all the time because we don't have a passing game. When you have this many weapons on offense, it's a crime. It's criminal to not be able to use those weapons. I mean, I know those guys have got to be chomping at the bit and hungry to get the ball. And it's not saying that every single pass is, is an errant, you know, just completely garbage pass. Because it's not. His receivers haven't always helped him out either. But there doesn't seem to be a rhythm with Petrus and his, his receiving core other than maybe Sam Laporta. Bayer. I mean, the two tight ends seem to uh, be able to clean that up pretty well. But the accuracy isn't there. The touch still isn't there. I, I've been wanting, I've been wanting to wait and hopefully see that develop because it does take time, especially when you're a new starter. But the guy's been in the program a while now. I mean, at some point you either have to develop it or you're just not the guy. Now, under a Kirk Ferentz system, you know as well as I do, they're not going to make any drastic changes. They're just not. I mean, we're winning right now. They're not going to take a guy out this late into the season who has, I mean, he himself has not had success, but the team has had success. So you're not, you're not going to see that. And I, I, I see all the Twitter stuff, and I see other people talking about it and, and angry. Save that anger. Save that anger for a potential loss. But as long as we're winning, just take that. That's my only advice because you'll be a happier person. Because you know as well as I do, he's not coming out. You know, bar some crazy thing. What you could hope for is that we get up really, you know, get up really uh, high on an uh, opponent, score a lot of points so we can get some of our backup quarterbacks in to see what they can do if they allow them to throw the ball, which I hope that they would. I was kind of hoping to see some rotation. Maybe at this point, I wanted them to leave him out because I don't, I don't want to hurt his confidence if they were going to stick with him. Because once you destroy a quarterback's confidence, and I think this is the larger part of it, they didn't want to yank him because it's such a volatile position. If you yank a quarterback and he doesn't see the field for a while, it can ruin his confidence, and then he could try to overcompensate because he's trying to make up for it. He wants to be noticed. He doesn't want to lose his position. That's how it can trend. Or, you know, sometimes quarterbacks step up to the occasion and they see that they have temporarily been uh, benched and they rise to the occasion to overcome that. I don't know. I, I don't know enough about the man, Spencer Petrus, to know if that would be helpful to helpful to him or if that would be a detriment. I I have to believe that the coaches know the man that is in the position. He 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 has <laughs> he makes some pretty errant throws at times. Which, you know, at the beginning of the season, I thought he had pretty good vision. He was, he was doing the checkdowns. But the one thing that I've noticed a lot is his feet, he's always constantly jittery back there. He never just kind of steps into it, plants, and throws. 
He's always moving his his feet, especially his back foot, which, you know, he's got a cannon, but his accuracy and his touch at times have been just kind of errant behind and then completely thrown when there's a, a defender around. I, I wish he would settle his feet, settle into the pocket. We have probably, I think it's got to be one of the best pass rushing offensive lines in the entire country. Uh, Tyler Linderbaum currently holds number one overall um, grade amongst all FBS centers at 88.4. I mean, his block grade is an 86.6, and his pass block grade is an 87.8, uh, ranking third in the, uh, in the nation. He's allowed quarterback pressure only 0.9% of his pass block snaps. That's pretty pretty incredible so he's got some guys that are protecting him it's not as you know I looked at the stats as well seeing if he had you know a lot of hurries there weren't any quarterback hurries on him I mean they they did sack him once but he's not he's not getting a lot of pressure to where it would justify or give you know some reasons to why he's not being successful I really don't know what it is um, specifically but I mean it's something to do with him I mean he's he's not feeling comfortable enough or settling into the system to where he can make accurate touch passes that need to be made. There was a couple passes downfield that he attempted, which I like to see. You want to see him go downfield when you have these kind of receivers, but they weren't on the mark. He was, you know, I guess too amped up and, and waiting for a hit, and he throws the ball sailing past them. I'm glad you have the arm. But you got to match the speed of your receiver now. So, like I said, I, I hate getting, you know, too negative on, on Spencer. You know, it's not trying to be critical um, of the person. It's just, you know, you got to call it out. I mean, this, this, his, his gameplay just isn't where it needs to be. And, you know, the numbers don't lie either. Looking at the, uh, I, I did a little game log of all of the uh, current uh, quarterbacks in the Big Ten going from worst to uh, to best, and unfortunately, Spencer is at the worst. Now, got to give him a little bit of a break. Not everybody's played the same amount of games, and there has been some quarterback changes through, uh, through the other teams. But even with that, I mean, the averages, he's just not there. Um, Spencer currently over the, uh, you know, the last few games here, or actually the one, two, three, four, five, six, uh, the past six games, has a QBR of 56.6. Michigan State has the second worst, um, and that's uh, Rocky Lombardi, and he's sitting at a 60.3. Moving on to Wisconsin, uh, 65.9. That's only through three games for Wisconsin because apparently they don't like to play football, which consequently that uh, Wisconsin not playing Nebraska is specifically what held them back from potentially challenging for a Big Ten West championship. So that's on them. That's on them. And it's it's kind of befitting that Minnesota is the one that canceled the game on Wisconsin. Kind of in the same fashion. I mean, it should be a, a forfeit rather than a just a cancellation because it's not that they didn't have enough people because they didn't meet the threshold to have to shut it down. They chose to based on, you know, their feelings for the program. I mean, that's their call. I'm surprised the Big Ten lets, you know, either program off with, you know, 
feelings, but they chose not to play Wisconsin. So that, in effect, well, screwed Wisconsin out of a potential Big Ten West championship, so they're not really playing for anything. They'll get a bowl because there are no bowl um, requirements this year. So, I mean, hey, you know, still get a bowl game, but you're not going to go for a championship and you're not going to be in the playoffs. So kiss that goodbye. Uh, Indiana uh, is your next uh, reigning quarterback. Uh, uh, that's uh, the Phoenix Jr., Michael. Uh, he has a 67.6. Michigan uh, would have thought they'd be at the bottom, but they're not. Uh, QBR rating for uh, Cade uh, uh, McNamara of uh, 68. Then you got Penn State, Sean Clifford at 69.3. Minnesota, 71. Kind of crazy thinking about that, especially with three losses, but he's still got a 71 QBR. Uh, you've got Purdue, 72.9 QBR. That's for that uh, uh, Aiden O'Connell started against us. Maryland has a 73.5. I mean, that's four games for him. And that's uh, uh, that's Tua's uh, brother, too, Tenga Viola. Never say that right. Nebraska, see, this is what is really, con I found this very interesting. Nebraska actually, Martinez, in and of himself, I mean, he did really well. He, he His completions, he had 18 for 20 against Iowa for 174 yards, 90% completion rate, okay? I have no idea where Nebraska's offensive game is. I have no idea. I mean, we, we got three sacks on him. So, I mean, that's telling. We were able to get pressure. So, I mean, I think their offensive line is needs some tunes, you know, some tune-up. They need to be able to run the ball a little bit better. But, man, he was 18 for 20 for 174 yards. His QBR for the season, and they played some pretty tough games. I mean, they played Ohio State, Northwestern, a good Northwestern team, Illinois, and then, then Iowa. 73.8, his QBR. Illinois, who we're going to be playing this Saturday. It's only a three-game average for, for uh, Isaiah Williams, but Isaiah Williams has a 79.7. Now, I ex expect that that'll go down against Iowa, hopefully. We'll see. He's really only had... He's really only had one game where he actually did any throwing at all, so this is kind of a garbage stat. I don't really think he, he should be... I mean, it's kind of misrepresenting QBR, uh, so I might throw that one out. But, I mean, he's sitting at a 79.7. Um, his Nebraska was, well, 73, but he didn't have any passing attempts. He only, he's only really had one game against Rutgers that he had any meaningful passing attempts. He had three passing attempts against Wisconsin. So... And they, they've been kind of having quarterback issues anyways, going back and forth uh, between a couple quarterbacks. So we'll throw that one out. But your number one quarterback in the league, of course, uh, would be Ohio State at a 94.4. Now, I don't expect Spencer to be at 94, okay? But I would expect and hope that he'd be at least in the 70s. And he's not. I mean, he, he's sitting at the very bottom at a 56. Is that what it, yeah, 56.6. I mean, he's got a lot of passing attempts. I mean, 39, 50, 27, 18, 28, 30. We are passing a lot. But, I again, I think Brian is trying, you know, whatever he can to, you know, squeak that in there where he can. 
because he knows as well as you know everybody else that you're going to have to have a passing game to be successful. And if they can't, you know, force it, force him to do it, you know, they're going to have they're going to be very, 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 very much in trouble at the end of the year, whether it be a a, a bowl game or you know a Big Ten uh, rivalry game. Because that's probably what it'll be at the end of the season since Northwestern is going to be taking our spot in Indianapolis. So, something to think about. Uh, I, I know a lot of you are frustrated about the quarterback play, but just realize it is what it is, uh, unfortunately, and you know how this goes. It's probably not going to be changed um, this year, uh, and you will likely not see any uh, movement on that until next year when there definitely will be a quarterback uh, competition. You can you can guarantee that. So, moving on from the quarterback play, um, there, I mean, every other phase of the game, there's so, so much, so much fun stuff to talk about. Okay. So, the, uh, the passing attempts, we had, we had, uh, Spencer had 18 of 30, which is kind of crazy. I, I still can't believe we passed the ball 30 times, one interception. Uh, his QBR for that game was 60.4, getting better, but that, that, uh, errant uh, interception was not great. Um, Tyler Goodson. Had uh, 10 more carries than his average. He was getting about 20. Um, he carried the ball 30 times for 111 yards. He's had over 100 yards um, in all but two games. Um, and he actually might have shared one with uh, um, Sargent. But uh, he's he's just doing incredible. Usually that, that dude's going to get you at least 100 yards. But uh, he did... Uh, he did really well against Nebraska. He, he fought for some hard yards. Uh, didn't get a touchdown, but uh, he definitely propelled us towards getting them. Oh, what else? What else? Um, our receiving are kind of what, what kind of what you expected. I mean, it was pretty uh, consistent and balanced across the board. Amir Smith-Marset uh, had 44 yards off of three receptions. Uh, Sam Laporta was a big target for five for th- uh, 38. So... That was good to see. Uh, kind of not great to see uh, the uh, fumble by Amir Smith, but uh, he just got to clean that up a little bit and hopefully hold on to the ball. Um, Casey uh, Rogers for Nebraska was the only one to uh, put a sack on Iowa for the day. That was the only sack. So the offensive line is doing their job. Um, there's just no reason that we shouldn't be able to have more success in that passing game. Uh, Jack Campbell, you probably heard his name a lot in the game. Uh, certainly did. He had uh, uh, eight team tackles and six solos, and then two tackles for a loss. And then your man, Davian Nixon. That dude is a bad man. He's going to be playing on Sundays. Uh, eight uh, uh, team tackles, five solos, uh, one sack, and three tackles for a loss. Uh, the guy's a machine. He's just doing work every single game. Seems like he's getting better every single game, which is going to be fun to see him uh, uh, in a bowl game. And, you know, who knows? Maybe even against Ohio State. There's been talk of that if they do indeed not play uh, Michigan at the end of the year here. Uh, kind of a sad stat. We, we For the first game in, oh, geez, 12? I think it was 12 or 13 games now. It might have been 13. We didn't have an interception. So that was that was kind of a bummer to see. Uh, there, there wasn't an interception, but we did uh, uh, get a couple uh, fumbles, forced fumbles, that uh, helped aid us, especially the the last one where uh, Nixon 
hit uh, Martinez, and then Martinez flopped the ball out, and Van Valkenburg grabbed it to seal the deal. That was awesome to see. Um, our uh, special teams, man, I, I said, I, I tweeted this out. If Charlie Jones doesn't get a scholarship, I'm going to start a GoFundMe page. He is so much fun to watch. Um, I can't wait till he gets more involved in other places, and I'm sure he will. But the guy had uh, he had two for 39. Uh, one of those, you know, I mean, as you remember, it was a great return for 31 yards. He is so electric. I can't wait. That dude is going to bust one, uh, a long one, for a touchdown. He's already gotten one this year, but I, I feel it, that it's going to happen again. He, he is so quick, and I, and I love seeing that. Uh, Keith Duncan, in, in all of his glory, Keith Duncan comes to the aid of Iowa and sticks it to Nebraska again. This guy just loves sticking it to, to Nebraska and his uncle, so I've been told. He was 4 for 5, 80%. The one that he missed, oh man, it was kind of a, it looked to me like a bad hold, um, not, not entirely a bad hold, it was a bad snap that kind of went flop to the side when it, when it was pitched back, and the uh, the holder spun it around real quick, and he did get it in place, but it didn't seem like it was maybe the right angle or whatnot, he had plenty of leg, but it just kind of wobbled at the end and hit the crossbar, so, I mean, that was a, I think that was a 48 50 might have been a 50 yarder but it was uh it was well there but just 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 missed but he still made four or five um sticking it to nebraska started the game off with a field goal ended the game with a field goal and we won the heroes trophy so keith duncan you're the man he won special teams player of the week again uh just an incredible, incredible dude. Glad to have him on our side. I'm glad we've been able to keep him. Seems like he's been here forever. Those were the stats of the game. So, I mean, just a lot of guys doing a lot of good work. Defense has really stepped up. Uh, it is the longest streak in the nation for holding opponents under 25 points. That's something that still um, blows my mind. I, I'm so glad that we have Phil Parker and his masterfulness. At the beginning of the season, you would have thought that surely they, you know, they'll, they'll come along, but you didn't know. You didn't quite know because it didn't seem like they were really, you know, being a cohesive unit and and doing the things necessary. You thought that secondary there was kind of some some bend, uh, more bending and and breaking than you'd like to see, um, but it got cleaned up. It's uh, it's been a fun fun thing to watch as the season has progressed, and I think that it's going to even get better. Uh, I'm sure that they would hope that the offense uh, starts doing their their level of work, and I think they will. Hopefully, hopefully this will be the game that Spencer Petrus pulls it back and, and just unleashes. We'll see. you got to hope for it. I mean, you, you, we can keep on complaining, but we got to hope for it. So maybe, maybe it'll be the game against Illinois that he has his breakout. I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for him. Um, yeah, just just an incredible game. I, I'm so glad that we were able to uh, knock a sixth win against Nebraska and uh, keep that going. Couldn't uh, happen to a more deserving team than Nebraska. Uh, where else? Um, moving on to basketball. I suppose we should kind of, you know, touch there. We're, we're going to get into more Illinois stuff uh, uh, probably uh Probably tomorrow. Yeah, th this podcast came out a little late. I was hoping to get it done by Monday, but 
having to do it uh, today, and uh, we'll, I'll be doing another one, hopefully with Steve tomorrow, and we'll, we'll dive into a little more of Illinois stuff, and then kind of where the Big Ten's going in general, and uh, all the all the wisdom that he brings. So stay tuned for that tomorrow. Uh, should I'm going to hopefully drop it in the morning. We'll see what his schedule's like, and then get that out. Uh, as far as basketball goes, though, you had a you had a treat for the holiday uh, you know long weekend. Seeing the Hawkeye victory in football, and then moving over to basketball, you know it's uh, we've been been spoiled a little bit. the uh, The first game of the season that started off against Southern, it, it didn't look great. It was kind of at the beginning of the game, but it ended up exactly where we thought it would be. Um, Garza, they should just call it the Garza, you know, Watch Week because every single week he seems to do something incredible, spectacular. Uh, 26 points against uh, North Carolina Central. Um, guy just tears it up. Everything he does. He's gonna, I mean, we're going to hear about him a lot. Um, that was his first game. I mean, players off the bench. The One of the players that I've been most impressed with, though, is, is Pat McCaffrey. Pat McCaffrey and then Keegan uh, Murray. Those two players off the bench have been incredible. They're really getting into a rhythm, and I, I, I like the setup that, that uh, has, has been put in there. I mean, some could argue that maybe, potentially, one of the, those bench players could be a starter. I could see it. I don't think we're going to see it for a little bit here, though, just because it seems to have a, a nice rhythm to where we're at. But I almost don't like seeing Garza score as many points as he is. But on the other hand, the teams that we've played haven't really required us to do a whole lot on defense. That was one of the key emphases that we we're going to, you know, see throughout the years that they have to play really good defense. I don't think we've seen a team that has required it yet. We just got off the win against Southern. I mean, dominated that team from start to finish which is what I thought we'd see against, you know, our first game. But that first game, you never know. It's There's a lot of, uh, uh, you know, little quirks to kind of work out, get the wrinkles out. But I love seeing Fran's intensity, even when we're up on a team by 30 points. The guy's still upset about something. Yeah, I dig it. You know, I used to used to kind of, you know, wonder, yeah, do we need to be this upset? Why not? He's still coaching. The guy has passion. He, he definitely wants these guys. He wants to get the most out of them. And this is the year that has the most expectation. I mean, we've been talking about it, you know, leading up to uh, this season for basketball that, you know, this is the kind of stuff that your kids right now are going to be looking at like we looked at in the 80s to Kenyon Murray, B.J. Armstrong, those kind of guys. It's, it's, it's going to be a once, potentially twice in a lifetime kind of uh, event. Hopefully it becomes more. I'd like to see uh, more consistency uh, with our basketball team, but this team is pretty special, and having uh, Luca Garza back is going to make all the difference. But he had 41 points. The guy just wrecked it. He went house on Southern. 41 points. He had 30, I think he had 31. I think it was 31 in the first half. I mean, I don't care who you're playing. You get 30 points in the first half. You kidding me? I mean, double-team him, triple-team him. And th the best thing about that is all year, you know, that's going to be tried. That's going to be tried by even some teams in the Big Ten. 
but then you leave open our shooters, which we've got some of the best three-point shooters in the country. Uh, against Southern, it, we were 50% from the three-point range. But I think even better, like our free throw percentage, uh, at least on that game, I don't think I have an average of the two games, but uh, our first game against North Carolina, the free throw um, percentage was 793 And then uh, looking at uh, Southern, it was 74.2. I mean, damn some good numbers. And you know, I mean, heck, Garza, that guy is going to be getting to the free throw line more than anybody just because that's where he lives. He was 10 for 12 against Southern. Made 3 for 3 for the three-point range. 14 for 15 for field goals. 29 minutes, 41 points. <laughs> oh, oh that, that, it's, it's fun. We haven't been able to, you know, see a player to his caliber in his just, his motor. That's, that's what I don't get. Like, he has an unbelievable motor. I mean, I've seen him tired before, but even when he's tired, th that dude is still working. He works harder than anybody I've ever seen on the basketball court. He, he reminds me a lot of uh, uh, Greg Bruner and Jess Settles. The way that he continues to push and he just go, the motor just keeps on running. I love it. I love it. Guy never stops. So, I mean, we're going to be hearing about him all year. So the rest of the country might get tired of it, but uh, I know that all of us are going to be thrilled every single game at his production. But I would like to see him not have to score so many points. And maybe that'll, you know, be something we see when they play North Carolina, um, Gonzaga. Speaking of Gonzaga, our... Well, this weekend, we should be ranked number two because number one, Gonzaga, plays is it, uh, Baylor, number two. So that'll be pretty cool. And then we'll, of course, have Gonzaga later in the season. Um, pretty early here. It's coming up, um, but we have North Carolina before that. So, man, I mean, even our, our preseason non-conference schedule, it's, it's good that we've arranged these because our Big Ten schedule, I don't think people really understand and realize how good and how deep the Big Ten is. The Big Ten is deep. Deep. I went out to Ken Palm, and Ken Palm has, let me see here. Uh, we've got Wisconsin, Iowa, Michigan State, Ohio State, And, yeah, we're all in the top 15. So we got Wisconsin at 9, Iowa at 11, Ohio State at 13, and Michigan State at 12, sorry. Illinois just comes in uh, 21, and Michigan 24, Indiana at 26, Purdue at 32, Rutgers at 31. Minnesota, 36. Maryland, 37. We have a lot of good teams. There's going to be a lot of competition and a lot of people, uh, uh, you know, vying to knock us off. But, you know, you have to embrace that target and really uh, earn your spot of where you're at. And I have no delusions that we're going to go undefeated. I hope we go undefeated. 
But I think if if that's your expectation is for Iowa to not lose a game, uh, you might want to uh, kind of temper that expectation. I mean, I, I can see them dropping a game. That That's not the end of the world here. And actually, if, if we do it, you know, better to do it earlier than, than later. And I, I don't want to, so I'm not trying to put that out there. I'm not trying to do any bad juju or vibes. But, you know, that's something that uh, typically happens with a team. It, it's, it's incredibly hard to go undefeated. I mean, there's a few teams that have done it, but it's not easy in basketball to go undefeated. Now, now that I say that, we're going to be playing in empty arenas for the most part. Unless they change something, which they should. They won't, but they should. But it's going to be empty arenas. So the factor of going to an away game really just becomes you're, you're playing a pickup game in a gym where there are no fans. So you use that to your advantage. And I, I think basketball, probably even more so than football, since, well, Kinnick Stadium is, is pretty unique. We're kind of on top of you. But... I think for the most part, basketball, it, it does get louder. It gets right in your face. These players are sitting on the bench, and there's fans behind them. So I think it factors into it a, you know, a whole heck of a lot. And I think the referees aren't getting you know, gnawed at by, by the fans and, and, and by the coaches as much. Unless you're Fran. Fran knows how to do that in any situation. That's why he's a good coach. <laughs> but I think those, those are things that are really going to affect this year. Now, you know, the same effect is, you know, a detriment for Iowa when we're playing at home against a good team because we don't have that uh, that crowd factor. Which really sucks because if any year you'd want to be in that arena being loud as hell, it would be this year. I, I it is it's almost criminal that we're not able to go to these games, even in a limited capacity, because how much fun would that be right now to be in the mix. We're in the conversation. We're nationally ranked. You know, some of the highest rankings we've had in a very, very, very long time. I think third is the highest uh, ranked nationally um, McCaffrey has been. But this Saturday, we should go to number two. So that'll be his highest. And who knows, you know, if it shakes out right and we can, uh, you know, get our business together, knock off the Bulldogs, have a number one ranking. If you would have said that I would have seen a number one ranking I mean, at any point prior to this season, I take it. I would definitely take it. It, it. It's incredible to think that we're on the precipice of potentially getting a number one ranking if we play our cards right. We play some good basketball, which so far they have. I think their defense has gotten a, a little bit better, but it's hard to tell with these two teams. You don't know yet. Big Ten play is going to you know, really bring it around. It's going to bring it full circle. You're really going to know where you're going to be once we start Big Ten play. Yeah, you'll get a little bit of an indication against North Carolina and Gonzaga. But, I don't know. Th- those are two nice non-conference scheduled teams. But I'm really excited and just a, just a twinge fearful of the Big Ten, given how much talent is in the Big Ten. But I'm excited for it. Because that's where you're going to know how good we really are. If we can go through a slate of Big Ten teams and take care of business, I think we'll be all right. The uh, one of the uh, interesting Kim Palm has just a uh, it's the Palmeroy ratings, but uh, he has such a a 
crazy amount of stats. If you're if you're a stat monster and you, and you love uh, um, stats in general, I mean, not every stat really means a whole lot, but he puts the best ones together. Uh, they have a luck stat. Apparently, Iowa has no luck. It's a plus point zero zero zero. I think we tie a lot of people, but we have no luck. <laughs> Vice versa, uh, Texas, number five right now, has a uh, plus .108. So yeah, sometimes it's nice to be lucky. I didn't see where Iowa State was, but we all know they're lucky, especially in football this year. But we won't, we won't get into that. Congrats to them, though, you know. Maybe we'll see you uh, next year in a fully-fledged stadium ready to uh, throw down. We let you off the hook this year, not having to play us. But really, that's going to be something, now that I brought that up, sorry to bring it back to football, but real quick, that's going to be something very interesting. Uh, I had mentioned it uh, in the prior uh, uh, podcast. What is Iowa and Iowa State going to do? What are they going to do about that game next year? Where is that going to be played? We really do need to start talking about this now because that is going to be on the radar. I would love, obviously, to have it at Kinnick Stadium because we missed having it there. But something tells me they're not going to see it that way. Something tells me it's probably going to be played in Ames um, just because it's already scheduled. I mean, they schedule these things out four or five, you know, sometimes even ten years, I don't know. So those schedules are already made. You kind of plan for that in the future. Obviously, this is an unprecedented year. It would be nice to be able to play it at our stadium since we were, you know, kind of screwed out of that. But, you know, Iowa State could just say, well, you know, that wasn't our fault. We would have played you, but the Big Ten said that uh, you weren't going to play non-conference schedule. So I can see that argument being made, but hopefully somehow the powers that be can get us back to Kinnick Stadium next year because I think that could be a really good year, especially if we end up the way I hope and the way that we should end up. I know Iowa State's going to be probably pretty good next year with 17 you know, potential returning starters. And Iowa gets a free year too, so who knows how many starters um, from this year may return that are seniors back for their extra year of eligibility. I hope some of them stay. That would be nice. But we'll see. Something to think about, though. Keep that on the radar, because that will be a, a controversy going forward. They're, they're not going to talk about it now, because they, they don't want to uh, bring that up right now. There's other things to worry about. But I guarantee you that's going to be a topic of conversation. Well, that about wraps it up for me. Um, it's, uh, it's been a great uh, past week of football and, and basketball. I can't wait to uh, see what we do against Illinois. They're, they're kind of a mystery team. They, I don't even know who the heck the quarterback's going to be at this point, but they, they play good football. They have been playing better football. You never know who, they're kind of a Jekyll and Hyde team. You don't know who you're going to get. I'll dive into that more uh, tomorrow with Steve. Um, but Iowa, Iowa's trending in the right direction. I mean, we're number 24, which is, which is amazing. I don't know if uh, it's been updated since then, but 24 in the country, I'll take it, take it and run. We're probably the only team in the Big Ten, which, by the way, I think being the only team in the Big Ten potentially to, you know, knock on wood here, to go a complete schedule should earn us, and maybe we can work this into the rules this year, should earn us an automatic bid to the Big Ten West Championship. I mean, I'm okay with that if you are. Since we did uh, play an entire season, which we should all be just thankful for that. Yeah, we had the two letdowns early in the year. 
five points separates us from true undefeated greatness again. But we're not. But we have a chance to do something, you know, something pretty special still, finish out the year undefeated, and then hopefully play a good team. I don't know who that's going to be at the very, very, or very, very last game in the Big Ten, but it could be uh, Ohio State, so be on the lookout for that. I'll ask Steve about that uh, tomorrow. But that should be an interesting game if we have to play Ohio State. I don't know if they've forgotten that we laid a 55-burger on them the last time we played them. You think, they, you think they've forgotten about that? Uh, I don't think so. Probably not. But until tomorrow, have a happy Hawkeye day, and I uh, can't wait to see uh, Big Ten basketball back in play. And then at Illinois, 2.30 kickoff, BTN, tune in, watch the game. There's going to be uh, other uh, Big Ten games on. However, I don't think that uh, Minnesota is going to be playing. Michigan, I think that's all. From what I've heard so far, I think that's all. Uh, Northwestern might be in that mix, too, that may not be playing. So three team, three teams out, but at least Iowa is playing football. So tune in. Uh, check me out at Twitter. Uh, it's just Joe Hugan at Twitter. Um, I'm on there. I'll interact with you. You can throw some questions at me, comments, whatever. Try to field them. Always have fun talking to everybody out on there. So uh, definitely check that out. And then Hawkeye Nation has all of your football coverage and content right there, packaged in a nice little package uh, out there on HawkeyeNation.com. So check that out. A lot of great uh, writing there and, and uh, content to be consumed. So until then, I'm Joe Hugan, and go Hawks!